in 300 meters. Take a, um, I forget now. Oh yeah, take a left at the valley. My favorite show. Hi, I'm Rachel Nannan Brown. Hello, I'm Dr. Richard Carrier. I'm Peter Bogosian. Hi, I'm Damian Gillis. Hi, this is Wanda Morris. I'm Dr. Daryl Ray. Hi, I'm R.N. Raw, and I took a left at the valley. And the party was really good. I woke up this morning. Had a burning deep inside. Like when you're feeling. It's all a big lie. I feel the pain There's hunger and despair Stop the rhetoric of your teaching Time for us to share Welcome back to a bonus episode of Left of the Valley I am your host, my name is Kevin And with me today I've got some great people as usual in the studio Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having us. You betcha. We have a newcomer, and the show is going to be centered about her today, around her today. Connie, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. Good, and we'll be talking about Alzheimer's today. And we have our friend Sharon. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and of course, as usual, we have our dearest Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hello. It's going to be a great show. It's it, wonderful. It's Looking gonna, forward to it. Now, I want to point out something even that, that really needs to be pointed out here. Today, or actually yesterday, was Nancy's birthday. Oh, I know. I know. 22. Yes. 22 <laughs> with some years of experience. That's right. 22 with lots of experience. I think I'm going to have a t-shirt made. I'm 22 with lots of experience. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I wanted to point that out because uh, ever since this podcast started, Nancy, you've been with us from day one. And you know what? I don't think we could do this show without you Aww. at this point. So. Well, I couldn't do it without you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> mutual, mutual Admiration Society. That's wonderful. Well, you know, I took a uh, liberty of uh, getting something to you from the uh, from all of us here left of Valley. It's just a little gift, but here you go, oh. dear. Happy birthday. Oh. Happy birthday, Nancy. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm, uh, I'm I'm speechless, which is not a good thing to be on the radio. No, it's just some Let sweets for the sweet. Sweet. Oh, my goodness. It is from Purdy's. Oh, I wish everybody in the listening audience could uh, join me for a little chocolate. and um, Send your email to Nancy. Send me, yeah. send me an email. I'll send, we'll you, send a you a chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, uh, how Wonderful, beautiful box. Thank you so much. No problem, wow. dear. You you totally deserve it. It's worth getting older with a group like this to join join me in, in a birthday celebration. Fantastic. <laughs> well, while I have you guys here, because you guys are like my therapy group anyway, and before we get into everything else, I wanted to talk a bit about what's been going on in the news. Um, for example, um, we have the very sad news of this armed gunman that came in in Oregon, and there was an, uh, another mass shooting. Um, and of course, it, we're going to hear more a lot about it because there's also a rumor, and it is only a rumor, that apparently this gunman was saying that uh, he was asking people about their faith before shooting them, and he seemed to be targeting Christians. That's the news we heard. Uh, the media ran with that, although this morning there was an article in pa- uh, Patheo saying, no, apparently this guy was actually, actually saying, are you Christian? Well, yeah, you're going to see God in a few minutes, and I'll be there with you. So, uh, you guys have any thoughts on and it's so apropos, too, because the last show we did was about gun, gun safety and gun control, right? There was also indication of, um, uh, what is it, Asperger's syndrome? 
and they've there there's there's quite a few new issues coming out about it that point to everything other than what the first reports yeah out. yeah yeah well, but we could, we could totally see that you know uh, I'm making a bold prediction here and should, it's an easy one <laughs> that you're going to see a lot of politicians coming out and saying no this is an atheist attack on Christian it's not a gun issue and uh, I could just see it coming so well, they they want to do anything to stop any gun legislation from going through, and it, it it's awful because it's a rerun. You have a, a shooter with possibly, and I would say there's a strong probability of mental issues. He has an arsenal of guns. He goes to a place where he's got a lot of people all contained in a in a small area so that they're easy targets. He looked at the shooters before and said, wow, they get a lot of publicity. And I saw something on Facebook today that said one uni- one bomber um, has, a, um, has a bomb in his shoe and we all have to take our shoes off. Yes. A number of, of um, uh, serial killers kill you know, um, our, our mass killers and nothing happens. And it was, oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry I ruined the... No, no, no. The, the, you're you're absolutely right. What is it going to take? Yeah. What is it going to take for the Americans to wake up? I mean, what is it going to take for them to wake up and realize that you're not John Wayne, uh, there's nobody, one good gunman, as they would call it, that ever stopped a mass shooting because this is not the OK Corral and it's not the fantasy of the cowboy and, you know, you need to just get rid of your weapons. You just need to do that and... Well, they have the, they have a total uh, misunderstanding of the constitutional rights too. Like mm. that that's coming out and being exposed by a lot of people who are in the know. So it's it's going to be a huge issue, and I think this mm. might bring it right to the mm. forefront where it should be. They they have to dismantle Wayne Lapierre and the NRA. Yeah. That's the organization that is yeah. funding a lot of the campaigns and I can't say they're all Republicans of so the conservatives and they're the ones who keep driving this agenda of it's not gun laws, it's individual people that are going to fall through the cracks anyway. And you just have to, you know, finally get tough and courageous, uh, at least the politicians do and say we we need to change. Yeah, and we 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 uh, talked about this a bit uh, last time with Jim and uh, Ken, and uh, the uh, military-industrial complex is behind this, not just the NRA, and they are powerful. They are extremely, extremely powerful. And I can't help but think that, you know, it seems that their, one of their presidents, uh, wasn't it Eisenhower, that actually, you know, uh, told them on one of the... Um, what is their speeches they do with the presidents? Yeah, it do. was Eisenhower. Yeah, it was... Well, to do one yearly uh, status of the nation, something like that. And he basically warned them, and you still have that footage today. He warned them about you know, arming and going to war and everything becoming big business. And this is exactly if <laughs> he'd be turning around in his grave today, I guess, the poor guy. Uh, so anyway, we could go on on this, but we're not doing the show about that today. Yeah, and, and after every mass killing it's the same the conversation doesn't change yeah. the these conclusions don't change but I, I honest to goodness at this point i don't know what it, it will take for the tide to turn and and people just to agree on something simple like background checks yeah. they can't even agree on background well checks. that's the funny thing is that the vast vast majority of the american public does agree with that and you're talking about like Agreeing to like seventy percent plus eighty percent ninety percent, but it's still blocked in Congress. Exactly, and that's the that's the point that's mind-boggling about this. But enough about that. We also want to really quickly talk about 
our friend, well, not our friend, Kim Davis, <laughs> apparently meaning the Pope. <laughs> and uh, that's all over social media as well. The Pope saying uh, to Kim Davis, stay strong, right? Uh, I think the Pope was bamboozled into this. I don't think he actually realizes what kind of a nut job he was facing there. I thought it was a lie. I really thought it was either the Onion or, or Beaverton. My, my jaw dropped. I thought Kim Davis and the Pope, best buds. I mean, <laughs> this is unfortunately, impossible. he still does expose or espouse, espouse the conscientious objection crap. Um, he he came right out. That was one of the first things that was in the news was that. He believes conscientious objections, objections are, and that's what she did, or supposedly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it was it was a bad move on his part for a guy who's just trying to do a really good PR. Pope, he, it was a really bad move. Well, I don't know. I think he makes every move he makes is pretty bad. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know, it's usually spun very well. But that one, it's going to be hard to spin that very well. Well, there's conscientious objection, and then there's bigotry that tries to. Disguise itself as conscientious Wasn't objection. Conscientious mm. objection, um, kind of coined for the military. The exactly. war that it doesn't really have anything to do with religion, or does it? Mm. Well, it has to do with religion in that it was the, um, the Quakers who initially said they refused to serve because they didn't believe in so uh, killing, but then they would serve um, in in terms of being medics or an allied way. They just wouldn't pick up a gun. So it did. I think it did start with religious But groups. it had to do with war as opposed to marriage yes. licenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, it was, it was killing. It had to do yeah. with with killing. Yeah. Connie, you're way too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always quiet. Good, good. Well, no, no, not so good. You're on the radio. You don't have to be that quiet. Yeah. Did you, Connie, did you listen to our episode with Wyatt Scott? No, I missed that one. Okay. Well, we, uh, our friend Wyatt Scott came a couple episodes ago and he's running as an independent in the uh, Mission Matsqui Fraser Canyon writing. And uh, we had a blast with him. And uh, he happened to have a little soiree yesterday where he was releasing a second video of uh, the one that brought him kind of fame, that kind of quirky video of him riding on a goose. Uh, so I got like a one minute recording. Let's play that. All right. We're back with Wyatt. Hey, Wyatt. How have you been? I'm good. How are you, Kevin? Good, good, good. So, how's the uh, election uh, campaign coming along? You know, it's been really good so far. We've uh, been out to a few debates. We've talked to a lot of people on the doorsteps. And uh, we still got another three weeks left. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Your odds are looking pretty good? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. That's fair enough. I think we're out there. We're getting our message across to people. And we're definitely giving them an option. And tonight you're here to release a second video. Yes, we are. We're going to release video number two. And hopefully it goes viral. And I hope it does. I yeah. mean, I think maybe there's a lot of hype and a lot of expectation behind it. It's different. It's it's different. Yeah. yeah. That's all i good. Say. Difference good. Yeah. All right. Well, keep us abro- uh, uh, posted, will you? I will. Awesome. Thanks, bud. All right. So that was why it's got. So he's got a second video and... If I can find a link on the show today, I'll try to post it as well. But uh, keep an eye on him, and uh, let's hope he uh, gets in there. All right, so uh, all this. Nancy, you ready to go? Ready to rock as usual? Here we go. Birthday girl is ready. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, here we go. This Day in History, which is a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the days between 
September 28th to October the 11th. And there's a slight shift in this week's, this day in history, because I'm going to do the week that just passed, and then I'm going to give the week coming up so everybody has a chance to be alerted and perhaps celebrate a day that they didn't know existed. So that, that might be a little that might be a little fun. It'd be do. interesting. It'd be interesting. Okay, going back to September the 28th, it was um, two days. It was International Right to Know and Ask a Stupid Question Day. I don't know how those... Oh, I, that's my favorite day. <laughs> there ask you go. Ask a Stupid Question Day. Yeah, actually, Ask a Stupid Question Day was started by teachers who wanted to say there is no such thing as a stupid question, so ask anything you want to ask. And in 1928, on September the 28th, it was the first recording made in Nashville, Tennessee. And you know how I am about names. I love this name. The first group to make a recording in Nashville was Paul Warmack and the Gully Jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> the Gully Jumpers. The Gully Jumpers. They were an American old-time string band, and they were regular performers on the Grand Old Opry in the late 20s. And then I think they um, went up and down in, in, in terms of how popular they were, and they changed a little bit. But they Depend actually on the gully. Yeah, and the gully. <laughs> the, they jumped it. And the gully jumpers continued performing to the mid-1960s, and you can actually hear them on YouTube. Yeah, very tinny, you know, sounds like the 20s. It's just, just great. Just, just great. gully. Yeah. <laughs> September 29th is Inventor's Day in Argentina. And in 1995, it was a sad day because um, Madeline Murray O'Hare, as we know, is one of the leaders in atheism in the States, was actually murdered in Texas during a kidnapping and extortion uh, scheme, she and her son. And then they didn't find the bodies for quite a long time. It was a mystery. Incredibly sad story. It was a very sad story. Um, and it was their um, office manager that ended up being the one that uh, that did the the terrible deed. She was 76. We should totally do a, a, a spotlight we, on her one we, day. We really do. We really do. I mean, Feisty she, woman she was. Yeah, she was best known for the lawsuit that led to the landmark ruling about prayer in the public school, and from that, uh, 1960, in 1964, Life magazine referred to her as the most hated woman in America. What a title to have. But I think she wore it proudly. Oh, yeah, she totally did. Yeah, and she there are a lot of recordings of uh, her giving speeches and so forth. So if we do the spotlight, we can actually use her own recordings, I think, which are very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and they still stand up today. They, oh, yes. they truly do. Uh, September the 30th it was Blasphemy Day. It was an international blasphemy day, which encouraged individuals and groups to openly express criticism of religion and blasphemy laws. God damn it. Yeah, there you go. And it was founded in 2009 by our friends at Center for Inquiry. Oh. I didn't know that. Did you know no, that? No, I had no idea. No, no. I, they, I'm just happy there's a blasphemy day. There you go. Yeah, th that should be one that should be forward so we could think about doing something this. But it's already passed. We'll do something next year. Yeah. Something special. And in 1990, on September 30th, the Dalai Lama unveiled the Canadian Tribute to Human Rights in Ottawa. And um, the, in 2005, the controversial drawings of Muhammad were printed in the Danish newspaper. And, of course, that led to all of the uh, awful things and murders that yes. happened at Charlie Hebdo yes. uh, uh, several years ago. 
October the 1st is World Vegetarian Day. Anybody here vegetarian? Love my meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was for everybody else to, to, to celebrate. And it was the start of Women's History Month. So we'll have to, to look in October and see if we can find some. Anybody who knows of some wonderful women that need to be uh, celebrated, please send an email to Kevin at leftatthevalley.com. I think we should celebrate all women. All women. You kidding? I'm all for that. Well, we'd probably have the whole month to be (laughs) reading it out, which I'm in favor of. Um, 1908, Ford put the Model T car on the market for $825. And in 1957, it was the first appearance of In God We Trust on U.S. paper currency. October 2nd was the International Day of Nonviolence. And the reason it's on October the 2nd is because... It's it's, your birthday. I was going to say, it's my (laughs) birthday and Mahatma Gandhi. Oh. That's why it's October 2nd. Good to share a birthday with Mr. Gandhi. October uh, the 3rd was the start of uh, October of um, Albuquerque International Balloon Days, which is a wonderful, wonderful event to go to if anybody ever has the chance. I must have taken a left at Albuquerque. Yeah. October the 4th is World Animal Day. So now we start events that you can celebrate this coming week. Um, in 1976... Uh, Barbara Walters became the first woman co-anchor of Evening News at ABC. Uh, In 1993, Ruth Bader Ginsburg joined the Supreme Court as the second woman uh, justice and the teeny tiniest little justice we've ever had. And she's still there and she's still kicking ass. As she is. I mean, she's Mighty Mouse for sure. That is one powerful woman. October the 6th is Teacher's Day in Sri Lanka. Um, And... Here's a good one for you because I know you love all the baseball stories. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. In 1945, it was the curse of the Billy Goat that was supposedly placed on the Chicago Cubs when Billy Goat Tavern owner Billy Cianis was asked to leave a World Series game against the Detroit Tigers at the Cubs baseball home at Wrigley Field. And the reason he was asked to go was because his pet goat's odor was bothering the other fans. So he was indignant and outraged and declared, them Cubs, they ain't going to win no more. Which has been interpreted to mean that they would never be another World Series game at Wrigley Field. And guess what? They have not won a National League pennant since that incident and haven't won a World Series since 1908. Oh, it's, wow. a, it's a big thing over there. They actually do. A lot of sportsmen truly believe in the curse. They oh, truly do. yeah. And they're still, I was um, born and raised in Chicago, and they're still the diehard fans that love them cubbies. <laughs> they got a beautiful field to play in. Everything is good, except they can't win. <laughs> yeah, you, you see fans actually bringing goats to the game, hoping it's going to appease somehow yeah. the ghost of the curse or whatever. <laughs> it actually happens. No, October the 7th is Emergency Nurses Day, so we really need to give a shout-out and thanks to emergency nurses. They they work their buns off. Mm-hmm. They truly do and do, do a lot of good. In 1862, uh, speaking of emergency nurses, Royal Columbian Hospital was the first hospital in, the, in British Columbia. That's a long time. I didn't realize the hospital had been here since 1862. Um, October the 8th is Indigenous Peoples Day, which uh, was founded in 1992 to counter Columbus Day. Oh. 
1993, on that day, Toni Morrison became the first African-American woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. October the 9th, National Chess Day. Anybody play chess? Once in a blue moon. Yeah. Yeah. I can play, but not very well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, have to, I have to admit that, too. <laughs> I, I watch it and get bored, which is a terrible thing to say. But it's like watching grass grow. It, it is, but people who like it, it's a, it's a thoughtful, thinking game, and really, really good for the, the little gray cells to get some exercise. On October 9th, other than uh, National Chess Day, in uh, 1982, Wayne Gretzky scored his 500th goal for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, after that, Gordie Howe uh, achieved that number, and there are actually 42 players to score 500 goals, and they consist of 32 Canadians, five Americans, two Finns, one Czech, one Swede, and one Slovak. So there we go. We just score goals when we can. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. October 11th is National Coming Out Day. So anybody who Why'd you look at me when you said that? Yeah. <laughs> Something I don't know here? I'll know on the 11th, won't I? <laughs> <laughs> In 1922, here we go on names again. This lady has the greatest, one of the greatest names. Her name was Alaska Packard Davidson. Nice. She was born in 1868 and died in 1932, and she was the first female special agent of the FBI at age 54. Wow. Wow. Yeah, she only served for two years, and she was asked to resign by J. Edgar Hoover, who didn't believe in women in the uh, no, FBI. No, you yeah. just believe in dressing like one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think maybe she dressed better than he did, and he was jealous. <laughs> I've got that same dress. That's You're right. fired. <laughs> That's right, and it looks better on you. <clears throat> and there weren't women to serve in, uh, in the FBI until 1972, and that was after the passing of the Equal Employment Opportunity Act. And in 1984, Catherine Sullivan became the first woman to walk in space on the Challenger. And I don't remember this, but maybe you guys do. In 2004, there was a mini-series called Brief History of Disbelief. And it was Bernard Hill, Jonathan Miller, and Richard Dawkins. Does anybody remember? No. No, no. There are three episodes on YouTube, so we need to look at that. I had no idea there was a miniseries that Richard Dawkins and Jonathan Miller took part of. Hmm. Oh. Worth worth taking? Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Wow. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back right after this. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Center. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. All right, we're back. You gotta admit, Nancy, that, that last report you did there, that, the, the timing was just perfect. <laughs> you just perfectly timed it with the music. Oh, boy. Awesome. Um, I've got a Reformation report from our friend in Chilliwack. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. Uh, it's about 
seven minutes. And we'll be right back after that. And we're going to take... We're going to be taking this into Alzheimer's. That's what we're doing today. So we'll go right into that. Eh, where is it? There it is. Welcome to another edition of the Reformation Report, brought to you by me, the Reformed. Alright, let's just jump straight in here. We are September the 25th. What has been happening in the Valley? Uh, First of all, the Chilliwack School Board has said no to Kinder Morgan. Uh, the Chilliwack School Board's first meeting uh, was to mull over a bonus cash deal with Kinder Morgan, the uh, pipeline company. Um, Kinder Morgan had uh, offered the school district uh, $30,910 in compensation if the pipeline expansion is completed. The oil company currently has uh, an 18-meter easement um, on uh, the field at Vetter Middle School and they wanted to make that easement or expand that easement to 42 meters uh, and as way of compensation they offered the school district this $30,000. Thankfully the school district for once uh, saw sense and said no, no thank you very much which kind of puts things in line with the, uh, the city of Chilliwack who also said no uh, recently to uh, bribe, I mean uh, an offer by um, Kinder Morgan if they uh, if they let them continue the expansion. On a sad note, <clears throat> um, this week uh, school trustee Martha Weens died. Uh, Martha Weens has been a, involved with the school district for uh, 25 years, and uh, fellow trustee uh, Heather Mann said that Martha had her finger on the pulse of so many things in the community anything that involves students. It was an education in itself to walk through the door of any school in this district with Martha because she was immediately greeted by staff, parents, and students with hugs. Um, Martha um, was always available at the Chance Alternate School. Um, She always made lunches there. She attended every graduation ceremony, award ceremony. Uh, She even attended the dry grads. she was quite a, a formidable individual, and this this is where things were problematic for uh, humanists uh, and uh, free thinkers in the Chilliwack area because uh, Miss Weens was a very uh, devout Christian, and therefore her Christianity informed how she uh, how she ran the board. And uh, so, although it is sad for her family that that uh, that she has died. Um, it may actually open the doors a little bit, a little bit of a crack in the school district uh, for those of us who are fighting for secularism and humanism to be brought into the the school district. Uh, Let's move to politics. Uh, Earlier last week, the the federal uh, candidates had their first first meeting, uh, first debate, and... uh, NDP candidate Seanick McPherson and Liberal candidate Louis Dieger uh, were sitting beside each other, but with an empty seat in between. 
And that empty seat was the seat of uh, Conservative MP Mark Strahl. Uh, Mark Strahl, as some of you may know, is the, uh, is the son of the previous MP for the Chilliwack area. And uh, Mr. Strahl uh, regularly misses meetings, although uh, this time he apparently was attending a meeting uh, with uh, Mr. Harper himself in Pitt Meadows. Uh, his absence was not overlooked uh, by the NDP candidate or the Liberal candidate or even the Green Party candidate. Uh, they were quite aware of the fact that he wasn't there again, and uh, although Mr. Uh, Mr. Strahl said he will attend uh, a couple of the other debates, um, it is rumored that the Conservatives' uh, candidates have been told that they are not to attend any debates or any media uh, events, uh, which is kind of interesting. But like I said, this is not the first time that Mark Strahl has missed uh, a debate. Okay, it's dope. Uh, the argument over the growing medicinal marijuana, or the, sorry, the growth of medicinal marijuana is heating up in Chilliwack. City Council have come under fire uh, since the provincial government allowed marijuana cultivation as an accepted use on agricultural land. Uh, residents are complaining about the potential harms to the community, uh, or to communities such as Yarrow, Greendale and Rosedale, where there is a mixture of residential and agricultural land use. The biggest complaint is the smell. Uh, apparently people are complaining that uh, the, the fumes coming from the uh, medicinal marijuana operations is such that it's making them sick. City councillors and the mayor of Chilliwack have admitted that there are issues to be faced. Um, however, um, because of the provincial ruling moving the uh, growing operations into the agricultural area as opposed to an industrial area, it takes things outside of the city jurisdiction and therefore they can't uh, enforce anything like smell complaints or land use. Of course, it didn't take long for the faith-based rehab nutters to jump all over the scene complaining that marijuana is the gateway to harder drugs, which as many of us know is contrary to the current research. Uh, the religious elite have also uh, seemed to have difficulty distinguishing between recreational marijuana use and medicinal marijuana use. And perhaps instead of having a little temper tantrum and using God as a cure-all, they can maybe focus on educating themselves a little better. You know, think before you speak, look before you leap, engage brain before you open your mouth. And uh, that's it. That's all we have for the Reformation Report this week. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And uh, have yourselves a, a great week and on with the rest of the show. Take care. Good Tuesday, don't we? No? No opinion? Hey, I'm dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's your first time here, so you have to. 
<laughs> well, we're going to go into... Oh, you know what? I completely forgot. I have a... Oh, geez. Sorry, Connie. I'm going to cut you here first because I wanted to go into Alzheimer's, but there's something, one thing I need to do first before we do that. There's a little story I want to get into. And uh, since I got all three of you ladies here today, it's very apropos. Okay. Sounds scary. Yeah. Well, did you guys hear about the uh, the uh, pressprogress.ca? There's an article that came out. Um, it's an interesting article that came out in light of the upcoming federal election. See, we, we interviewed Wyatt Scott. There's an election coming on the 19th. And I wanted your opinion on this. Um, now, we all know that regular media was did not and certainly won't cover this. But the article claims that over one quarter of the conservative candidates running in the 2015 election scheduled for October 19th, are opposed to women's reproductive rights and have been endorsed by an anti-abortion group. Now, uh, the group is called Campaign Life Coalition. It's a controversial group known for flooding mailboxes with anti-choice pamphlets. They've released their list of anti-choice candidates by province. The percentage of conservative candidates opposing women's reproductive rights per province goes as follows. For example, in PEI, they have 25% of those conservative candidates opposing women's uh, reproductive right. New Brunswick, 40%. Ontario, 37%. Manitoba, 50%. Saskatchewan, 71%. Alberta, 29%. And BC... What's your source again? Uh, it's pressprogress.ca. Yeah, and uh, BC is 21%. Of course, of all these people that are opposing women's reproductive rights, uh, 84% of these conservative candidates that are opposing that are males. Um... To give you an idea of closer around here, uh, you got the uh, Mark Wawrawa, which is in Langley Aldergrove. He tried to reopen the abortion debate. Um, right here in Abbotsford, you have uh, Trade Minister Ed Fast. He also seems to be opposed to that. And also one of his former aides said there is no circumstances under which a woman should have access to an abortion. Mark Strahl in Chilliwack also made the list. That's absolutely incredible. That's mind-boggling to me. And since we, since I have three lovely ladies here with me, I want your thoughts on this. Backwards. It's backwards. <laughs> how much support? I mean, they can be they can be for anything, but how much support do they have? I mean, well, I mean, I mean they're they're elected officials now, so obviously they got into office, which is and they're frightening. Almost a, they're but, almost a shoe in to go back in. That's a that's a that's a scary scary part. Mark uh, Mark Wahara is not his first time in, and neither is uh, Strahl and Ed Fast is a minister. This is this is scary, and I don't think people out there, especially women, don't, I don't think they understand that this is where these people stand. I don't think they realize this. Well, what do they plan on doing? What do they plan on doing when they get into office to to promote? Um, the article doesn't say. I don't know if they'll ever do something to try to reopen the debate, but you still have... Do they le- have a track record on this issue? Uh, Some but, of them since, since they're, they're returning. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I, like I said, the article just basically spoke of the, this group. I was actually uh, recommending them. And there are some things in the past, like like said, Mark Wahara tried to reignite the debate about abortion in, in Parliament. That this I'm was a couple of years ago. I'm wondering if there's any bills that we could look up and just see if they've been active in any bills and kind of. Don't know, but even if they haven't done a bill, I think it's scary to think oh. that you have some people in there that are, you know, the only thing holding them back from doing or putting forward such a motion is essentially the Canadian public. Yeah. And if the Canadians, as we usually are, get much more apathist or uh, too much apathy, I don't think we can get more so. But um, mm. I guess we could. <laughs> um, but the, it's not that like the issue is 
has disappeared. It's been around kind of underlying everything for a long time already. So it's not a new issue in Canada, although we've kind of put it to rest a few times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every time they, somebody tries to bring it up, they kind of shut down really relatively quickly. There's but if, a massive movement on the other side. Yeah, I, I sure hope so, and I sure hope it stays like that. But I, I, mean, I was still shocked to hear to see the, these people, and even if they're conservatives, to, to, to see this right here, right in the neighborhood, you know, and... That's shocking to me because I know these people will get a lot of votes and a lot of women's votes too. Have they been vocal about that issue in this? Oh no, election? I'm sure they keep it quiet. Yeah, are I'm they just... against contraceptive as well as abortion? Or I don't it... know that. Yeah. I don't know that. But it's all part of the whatever uh, the, yeah. the, the, the Tory far right trying to bring back the religious matters into politics. I'm just politics. wondering if they're they, they're feeling their oats because of what's happening in the states and stuff. And oh, totally. They yeah. they totally take it from the United States place. Leaky borders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in the states, I, I don't know too much about this. Maybe you know more than I do. But there's a movement called Quiverful, which yes. yeah, which means that you know they want people to have as many children as possible. I guess to promote Christianity and to make sure that there'll always be a ready supply of. Of Christians, it's sort of like the barefoot pregnant and in the kitchen type of thing. Is this a? An, do you think this is related to the quiverful, or we don't know that yet? I don't know that. I, uh, yeah, we can speculate, but it's only that much. Uh, I just know that you know it seems that they're they're taking their their uh, playbook from what the Americans do down south, and we all know where that's going. And uh, it seems that they're trying really hard up here, but. Uh, unlike the Americans, it seems that some Canadians, especially the reporters, are willing to step up and say, uh, wait a minute, you know, what are you doing here? Um, Canadians are not standing up as much. Uh, well, they're, they're, I should say they're standing up a bit more than what the Americans would do about something like that. Uh, they're not They're not, They're not. not for it, so the public. But that doesn't mean, just because the public is not for it, that doesn't mean it still can't happen because, like I said, unfortunately as Canadians, we have a tendency to be very apathetic about these things. We don't want to rock the boat. And if they manage to slide sc- it in. Yeah, slide it in, all of a sudden it's law. Before we go on, Nancy mentioned Quiverful. Um, I can't remember her last name, but there's a book. It's called No Longer Quivering by Vicki Garrison. Thank you. It's a wonderful book. Yeah, she was at INR5. She's a, she's yeah. a wonderful little person, she's too. A good I just want, yeah, I just wanted to hug her after that, yeah. but I couldn't find her. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth reading. Connie, any thoughts? As the last member uh. and. Last? Well, she's the newest one amongst us. I just think the idea—it's freshest. Idea, uh, the <laughs> idea of of having politicians talk about a woman's right just pushes an envelope that should not—it shouldn't be touched. Um, should just be left alone. The right is for the woman. Are they even talking about male vasectomies or I don't know? I, I woman's right just just. Just leave it alone. Yeah, just, just leave it alone. I just the perfect answer. The, perfect the, answer. The, the best last word. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking today about Alzheimer's disease. So I'm turning the mic and everything and the board to Connie. I am out of here. See you guys later. All right. <laughs> Please don't go. <laughs> all right. The show is all yours, dear. Okay, Alzheimer's. Um, it's a bad disease. Oh, uh, okay. It. it it affects too many people. Um, unfortunately, it's hit my family. I have a grandmother in Vienna who is in end-stage Alzheimer's. She does not remember me or the rest of my family, uh, has no recollections that she is a great-grandmother of six great-grandchildren. So it is devastating. Uh, she's going to be 90 years old, and 
she has no idea who I am. I'm sorry to hear uh, that. Yeah, it's it's sad. It's heartbreaking. But she's had a good life. And um, stop playing with your mic. So sorry. Uh, so let's just just let's just, let's just get started. Um, for those of you who who really don't know that much about the disease, um, Alzheimer's is a type of dementia that causes problems with memory, thinking, and behavior. And it does account for 60 to 80% of all dementia cases. Uh, if you're looking at actual statistics, uh, some actually uh, interesting notes about... Um, we, always, we always love statistics here. Oh, stats are good. Oh, stats are um, good. It's the only cause of death, uh, only cause, the top 10 causes of death in North America that cannot be prevented, cured, or slowed. Uh, almost two-thirds of those with Alzheimer's disease are women, and 34% of those are 65 and older. Now, I did not know that. It affects women more than men. More, yes, I, yes. I had no idea. I don't know the reasoning behind that, but uh, that is the stat for North America. I'm not too sure about the rest of the world, but in, in uh, our beautiful continent, that's, that's what it is. Um, one in three seniors die with Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. Um, and in North America, again, uh, North America, again, Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death. Um, 45% of people with Alzheimer's disease or their caregivers uh, report being told of their diagnosis, but they don't share it with the rest of the family. Yeah. Um, Where compared to 90% of of people who are diagnosed with any type of cancer, they will share it. So Alzheimer's is is a taboo topic. People don't like to share it. They are embarrassed um, and... Mental issues are often very taboo. Always, always. If it's bipolar or... Yeah. It's, people it's, don't share. People are, you know, they're afraid to be treated differently, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know? Just and like... I'm also wondering, like, recognizing it has got to be a huge issue, like, because we all forget things, we all do things, like, actually recognizing it's a problem. There is a difference. I mean, if, if um, there's, there's Alzheimer's symptoms, and then there's also symptoms of just aging, and that is where... I kind of want to take the conversation too because there is a difference and if if we can talk about or try to actually figure out what the difference is between aging and being being diagnosed with 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 Alzheimer's those people around you can get the proper diagnosis and then we can be trained or the caregivers can be trained as to how to deal with it and help those um with the disease know that that they're not alone out there <clears throat> pardon me and to get the help that they can and the support they need so there's no physical way to diagnose it um there there are ways now uh when they're being diagnosed uh, a doctor will if if they think it's more than just aging then they will send you in pardon me to get a pet uh, a pet scan where they can actually um run the the test throughout the brain to find out exactly if it is aging or or signs of dementia or uh, alzheimer's um i'm not too sure exactly what they're looking for i'm not a medical doctor but um the doctors will know when you're going in to see a brain doctor to talk about, he'll, he'll run the tests, mental memory tests, um, just doing simple calculations, uh, recalling words, objects. They'll ask you three things. I think that's one of the key things that they do when, when uh, a person believes that um, their spouse or their loved one is, is suffering with Alzheimer's and they go in for the test. They'll give them three things from the beginning to remember. I'm going to, you know, remember the name John Black, um, remember today is February and um, you live in a brown house. They'll go on with the testing. Half an hour later, he'll ask those three simple questions again. And 90% of the time, according to the research, they can usually name the first one, and then they forget the last two. So they think that this is a strong... And they'll do this within a period of time, and every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes, they'll go through the testing again. Uh, what was that first question? And they'll, they'll, they'll completely 
forget something that was just told to them 10 minutes ago and that's when they'll do the PET scan and hopefully they can pinpoint that yes this is Alzheimer's Jeez, it sounds like I could probably fill the test right now. Actually, <laughs> I'm so distracted half the time. That's there there are some pencil and paper predictive tests that have been used over the past five or six years, but they're not in general use. But they're they're showing that there is a strong correlation between how a, a person t- uh, responds to the test when they're pre-Alzheimer's as compared to oh, when course, they're not of pre-Alzheimer's. Of course. So they're interesting, interesting tests. You wouldn't think that you could oh. do a predictive, but but there are ways of doing it. It's just such a scary, it's, it's so scary. It's very scary. Oh. And then, you know, as I was doing my research, um, and this is actually kind of new to me, but there are people, and, and they think actually 5% of cases um, are not just the 65 years and older. It's actually in our age group. Wow. In our 40s. That 40s? 40s. Uh, okay. We're 20, 20s. 29, 29, 29. Um, Nancy just turned 22 there. Oh, she's looking <laughs> good. Um, and again, the same things will happen where you could be walking down the street and you're going around doing your everyday thing and you forget why you're here. Where are you going? Where did I park the car? And you'll be stuck in the middle of traffic and not know what you're doing. And that, again, is a sign of early onset Alzheimer's. And it's it's early 40s. And uh, if it's found at that age, um, unfortunately, the life expectancy is a lot shorter. Goodness. So it's uh, we have to keep our brain functioning well, exercise it. Yes, and you're looking at me while saying that, of too. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course. You know, we're in the same age group. Um, right. I, get, I get no respect here. <laughs> no, no, that's because you're such a good example. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We need somebody to turn to, and you're the obvious choice. <laughs> My line of vision. Um, it could be just a simple thing, you know, if, if you're worried about uh, early onset. Uh, you could be having a conversation, and you're looking for that word. And, I mean, it happens to me quite often, but I think it's just, it's just stress. It's not a sign of onset. But you're, you're thinking of a word that you've used many times in a sentence, and it disappears. And you got words disappearing in the middle of a sentence? I have had that. I've had that. What's up with that? <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> so mean. That was for the first jab. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, any questions before I move on to some signs no, and symptoms? No, but, but that really is scary. Um, I have a history of Alzheimer's in my family, mostly on my father's side. And when you see it from the early stages, you know, and you see how it progresses, and then you find yourself forgetting that word, or all of a sudden you've You've put a, a an egg on to boil, and you realize, oh wait a minute, I should be back there, so I don't, you know, let the pot boil. Those little signs, which could be aging or could be pre Alzheimer's, are very scary because you see in front of you a history of losing your independence and not remembering how to do things, and then being totally dependent on someone mm-hmm. else who you don't know that might be your daughter. Well, mm-hmm. Hold on there. I mean, there might be some psychosomatic effect of that too, right? I mean, if you're forgetting uh, something on the stove, and God knows that happens to me, but usually because I get distracted by the TV or something, uh, you know, you, if you really need to have an outside opinion because self-diagnostic is really doesn't work. Right? Oh, absolutely. I'm saying when it is in your family and you see it, when those things happen to you, the, the emotional response is exaggerated oh, yeah. because you think, oh, here it goes. Yeah, I, that's it's my it. turn. Yeah. yeah. It is hereditary. So it is. It's, exactly. It's, it's, if you have somebody in your family that does have it, then there's not a 100% chance, but there's a high chance that you could be a carrier or you pass it on to your children. And, and, and that's a horrible, horrible feeling. Is it gender specific on the hereditary? 
hereditary? I think line? it's still women. If a woman in your family, like my grandmother, um, and I'm worried about my father, but um, I mean, it could be me next. It could be my daughter's next. Um, I mean, down the road, but it, it, it plays now in the back of my mind because, you know, we found out three years ago that my grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So now you think about this. So, and being a woman, you, you kind of think, you put two and two together, could it be me next hmm. down the road? So I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and, and talking about, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, as I was about to say, it's a scary, it's a scary prospect to lose one's mind, even more than losing your physical capacity, right? Well, I think we accept losing a limb much easier than losing your mind because oh, yeah. you're losing your identity. Oh, yeah, right? oh, yeah. And, and I know with my, my grandmother, um, my father was just in Austria last year to visit her. And uh, he noticed with her, I mean, Alzheimer's is more short-term memory loss than it is long-term, mem- uh, long-term memory loss. And uh, she'll forget things, um, what she had mentioned 10 minutes ago to him. But she'll actually start talking about stories from 80 years ago that he has no idea. Do you remember how I met your father? And, and uh, he would, well, yeah, you've told me this story. But she, she can remember things from the past, but mm. nothing. It's the only thing she's got left. That's all she has left. My mother-in-law, um, I... I think she was diagnosed with dementia, which I, I'm never sure if dementia is progresses to Alzheimer or the opposite. Not all the time. Or even if it's the same thing. My mother-in-law was sit on our deck, and she was obviously suffering Alzheimer's, but she could uh, she would talk about a mountain. She remembered talking about that mountain um, and used this big, long word. And she would forget that she was talking about the mountain, but remember the big, long word. Like, she never forgot that big, long word, right? I can, and I don't even remember what that word was. I just remember it striking me memory's as a, odd. Memory is a funny thing. You know, Very. there's some things that just grab you. You know, whether it's a jingle on a commercial or just a, a, a trivia fact that just grabs you, it stays mm-hmm. with you, and then... Yeah, and not to trivialize the disease, but uh, she also, she would sit, um, she was eventually in a home, and she would sit... Look out the window, and the, uh, there was a church across the street, and she thought it was her homestead. Like they live, she was, she had reverted back to her youth, mm. and so it kind of gave us comfort because we knew that she wasn't, or didn't know that where she was or anything. So that's kind of a comfort in a way. In her mind, she's gone mm. back to a safe place. Yes, and I mean she's not here in the now, but um, she's able to. She's somewhere safe in her mind. And and that goes back to you, them remembering long term yeah, as exactly. opposed to short term. Yeah, yeah, probably, hopefully, someplace a happier time mm-hmm. in her yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way, the person with Alzheimer's has the easiest um, position in that they can go back to those safe places. They don't realize what's happening. It's it's so difficult for the family. Yes, because the people it's around, a management. It's yeah, it's a it's a task management. It's um, tough. It's tough. Yeah. And and for me, I think because my grandmother is so far away, and the last time I saw her was two thousand four. I'm gonna say. Um, for 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 the rest of her family that live in Canada or in the states, we're not there, and we're not there to constantly remind her that yes, we are part of your family, mm. and she's drifting further and further and further away from us. And I think for my father, it is the hardest because he has been in Canada for so long, and he tries to go back to Austria every couple of years to visit, mm-hmm. uh, but he has noticed the the deterioration in her, in her in her memories, and uh, luckily there is still family 
back in her home to to help her out but it's constant constant going through the provinces of austria and what are the names of all your grandchildren what are the names it's 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 an exercise that has to be done every single day just to keep her in the here and now and maybe one day i'll get to go back and see her but it's frightening you know if i get into her home is she going to know who i am yeah because well i I don't want to i don't want to sound really blunt but in a way you're you're a stranger at this point. Oh, right? yeah, I'm, yeah. You're totally a stranger. Yeah. She doesn't know. You know, Christmas cards and pictures and phone calls once or twice a year is, is one thing. And she'll she'll have those moments where she's completely lucid and she knows who I am. But then the next minute, who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Where do you live? I don't know who you are. Um, so that that is the tough part. That is wow. the tough part. Um, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> That's your first show, and you're doing a depressing show. I'm oh my goodness. so sorry. Um, no, it's, it's educational. It's Very not, educational. It's educational. Um, when I finish off with my spiel, I do want to talk about something a little bit more positive in, in, in hopes to uh, opening people to Alzheimer's, but we'll get to that. I want to kind of close with that. So Yeah, of course. Um, close on a positive note. Totally. Try to anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, so and Next I, week, you'll be hosting this show because you're doing a better job than I am. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Um, so I, I kind of uh, was looking up some some warning signs of Alzheimer's that uh, anyone should know, uh, even if you don't have anybody in your family that's suffering with Alzheimer's. I think these are key things that you may have, that you may come across somebody down the road in your life that that may show signs of Alzheimer's. So if you have anything to ask or, or you know, just jump in and, and interrupt me. Um, number one, memory loss that uh, disrupts daily life, um, asking for some information over and over and over again, uh, relying on memory aids like electronic devices or reminder notes. Um, so little things like um, constantly having to remind somebody, did you wash your hands? Did you wash your hands? Did you wash your hands? Um, an aging person, you wouldn't have to remind 10 times over again in a one hour, one hour span. You know, did you turn off the oven? Did you turn Well, we, we were talking about beforehand about leaving an egg on the stove Mm. you would have to remind somebody with alzheimer's constantly that did you check the oven did you check the oven um where did you put your keys you know that that's the key thing is 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 for for these 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 seniors who are suffering with alzheimer's that they put something down they don't know where they put it and then they they lose what am i trying to say they they lose their patience because they know they had it. It's not there anymore. And then they scream to those around them. And, and that's, a, that's a big sign of, of, of Alzheimer's. The frustration. The, the frustration. Thank you. I can't, they because of the frustration. I, I couldn't find the word. Hey. <laughs> early onset. Early onset. <laughs> Her time is up already. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> um, Shit. <sighs> <laughs> What, what are the Thanks things, for joining us. Yeah, one, one of the things that my father uh, had problems with is my, my mother would, would go someplace with friends, and she'd come back, and she'd say, did anybody call? And he said no. And then she'd find out two or three people had called and left messages, but my father never wrote them. I'll, I'll remember. I'll, I'll remember. remember. So that was one of the things. She, you know, when he, she'd go, he just you know, couldn't, couldn't remember who called or why they called or telephone numbers that was he wasn't frustrated she my mother would get frustrated but you know at that point they were living um they didn't have an answering machine and so Mm -hmm. forth but that was one of the earliest signs that drove them both nuts after a while i think my husband may have that yeah (laughs) well uh, i'm lucky enough that it seems my family had I don't. I don't. I didn't see that on either side. So I guess I'm lucky on that side. Uh, but my grandfather did have an accident one time where he actually fell in the tub, 
and hit his head on the plumbing. And uh, his concept of time was altered. So you could be gone for 10 minutes and it felt like hours to him. And then you could be gone for three days and you'd walk in the door and say, oh, you're back already. So, uh, you know. But that is a, a sign, though. That is a sign of Alzheimer's. Yeah, but it, for him it was an accident, essentially, yeah. right? But it, it, didn't, it didn't really come in at gradually like that. Um, moving on. Um, this, is, this is one where, this one bothers me, I think, the most because it's, it's outside people who take, a, who, who take advantage of, of the poor souls who, who suffer with Alzheimer's. Um, people who are suffering have a tendency then now to make um, very poor judgment calls. So imagine a phone call coming in for, for a telemarketer and uh, they're asking for money, money, money for some certain gadget. And they will know that this person has Alzheimer's. And a person who's suffering will write that check uh, without any questions asked whatsoever. And to me, that's heartbreaking that there's people out there who will take advantage of, of somebody who is suffering and uh, not think twice about doing it. So this, I think that one probably bothers me the most. I mean, they're suffering already as it is, and the poor family members are, are suffering. Um, but for somebody to take advantage um, and let a person with the... Also- no, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> booting for them. I'm booting for them. Not for you. Okay, you, okay, you keep, okay. You're doing great. Um, another big thing is um, an Alzheimer's person will uh, withdraw from work and social activities, uh, something that they used to enjoy, like watching a baseball game. Um, Nobody enjoys that here. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, or doing, uh, doing a, a, a hobby that they've enjoyed their entire life, like scrapbooking or knitting a sweater. Things like that will no longer be important to them. I mean, number one, they don't have the, the time, the, the mental time, time frame to actually complete anything because they'll sit down, they'll start something, and then they'll forget what they were doing in the first place and leave. Um, but that is another key sign where, where somebody who has enjoyed going to a baseball game, Doing anything like that is no longer important to them. So if either one of you ladies decides to leave this podcast, it's because you might have Alzheimer's? <laughs> could be. Could is, be. Is, is that it? We never know. There it is. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I enjoy doing. I do I enjoy doing those little sound effects. When I stop doing that, then you got to be concerned. Okay, okay. Um Another big thing for uh, a symptom of of, uh, of Alzheimer's is uh, they begin um, begin understanding or having problems understanding visual images and spatial relationships. Uh, beforehand, they would sit down and they could read and read and read for hours, which is a me thing. Um, so if that ever happens that I stop reading, we know what's going on. Vision will start to go. They won't be able to concentrate that's another key key sign um, with the vision and not being able to sit down to do things for long hours. It's another key of of Alzheimer's. Um, and and it's just just things in in general where things that they had a lot of passion to do beforehand they don't have that interest anymore. Um, taking a walk may no longer be important. Um, going to the gym is no longer part of their life. Um, hanging out with the grandchildren, which was important for for such a long long time, will now no longer be important, or they won't remember um, that this is what they used to do together and they start to distance themselves from the rest of the family. Could be because of embarrassment, they say, or it just could be that there is no longer some kind of emotional connection between between the grandchildren or... Oh, hold on here a sec. Uh, this could also be diagnosed as simple depression, right? It could be, but there is there are key, key signs, though, between depression and Alzheimer's. And this is what the doctors look for when they get to that point where they do need to properly diagnose a person. And as soon as a caregiver or or yourself 
you understand the signs if you've done your research and you're thinking you start taking off yep 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 then you go to your family doctor and he'll send you to the specialist and make sure you get the proper brain scans done to fully diagnose that this is what it is so your treatment can begin Mm -hmm. and I think with my grandmother she was diagnosed a little bit too late um so she started her her regimen of of I guess what mental training uh, or medicines or whatever, she started a little bit too late. I mean, now she is almost 90, so there is a difference, but because beforehand they thought it was depression, my grandfather had passed away, you know, her baby boy was in Canada. Um, she was diagnosed too late. They thought it was depression. They just thought she was just getting older, but in fact it was Alzheimer's. Mm. Um, and I think finding the right doctor sometimes, because even today, you'd think with all the information that's available and all the support groups and all the, um, you know, the uh, different caregivers that are, are specializing, you know, with Alzheimer's patients, you still get doctors when you go and they say, well, don't worry about it. It's just, you just, you know, he's no spring chicken anymore. Exactly. You know, uh, you can't expect him to be, you know, the way he was when he was 50. And the family will go, well, okay, the doctor told me that. That's right. And you have to be so proactive and keep up with research and, and look up the symptoms because so many times people with Alzheimer's can just slide under the radar, so to speak, until all of a sudden the family member gets a call from the police and they say, uh, we have, we think is your grandfather or your brother mm-hmm. or someone here. And he couldn't find his way home. And a, a lady brought him into the police station because he seems disoriented. Oh, yeah. And that's what happens if, you know, and that still could happen. Oh, it happens on a regular basis. But, you see a lot of times people, are, they're, they're looking for a missing person. It's an elderly a yeah. gentleman or lady, and it's you know rumored to have Alzheimer's, and they've just you know, walked away from the house and haven't been there since. You know? Yeah, but I find sometimes the the medical profession are very slow to to uh, recommend a PET scan or to recommend additional testing. You know, it seems like when you get to especially people who are in their seventies or close to eighties, it's oh well, they've lived a good life. You know, it's just aging. And yet something something could be done, at least the awareness, so that you care for that person in ways that they they need caring oh, and, for and looking after. And there has to be, there. there is a difference uh, between caring for a person that is aging or a person that is dealing with Alzheimer's. They have to be treated completely different. And until a person is properly diagnosed and the situation is dealt with, then nothing proper is going to be done for for this poor poor woman or poor man or the family members who have to deal with this day in and day out mm. so and unfortunately i think it's also one of the symptoms of our uh, uh, bottom line of all cost society you know even the medical profession now it's no it's no longer about necessarily the care of the patient it, is, it should be as it should, should be. be it's more about oh how much tax payer money is this going to cost yep. us and this is the result of this oh yeah oh yeah um if I just can go through a couple more depressing thoughts <laughs> <laughs> until I get to the good stuff. I don't know. Well, how wait much time. a minute. We were, we were getting almost too jocular there for a minute. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know how much more time I have. I probably need another seven minutes, but um, you get all the time you need. Okay. Okay. Um, just another keynote. Um, Alzheimer's worsens over time as it is a progressive disease where the symptoms will gradually worsen over the years. So once you have it, you're not going to get better. It's it, it just gets worse and worse over the years. Um, in the early stages, individuals will lose the ability to carry a conversation, respond to their environment with mild, mild memory loss. Um, I think I've already mentioned this before, but Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death 
individuals with Alzheimer's live an average of eight years after symptoms become noticeable uh, to others, but survival can range from four to 20 years, depending on the age, when they were diagnosed, um, if they were diagnosed early enough. Um, but death will be an eventuality. Um, now, there's a quick question here. It might sound like a stupid question, but uh, um, is did he die from Alzheimer's, or is is, is it more like like um, you know like uh, like AIDS? You know, like AIDS, for example, you don't die of AIDS. What you do is you die of an infection that your immune system has been reduced because of AIDS, kind of thing, right? Is it the same thing with Alzheimer's? That, well, they say that you die of Alzheimer's. You die of Alzheimer's. Yeah, okay. your brain starts to deteriorate. To and... the point where it can no longer function. Exactly, okay. exactly. So, I mean, and it, it's, oh, it just, it makes me so sad. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the reason why I wanted to talk about this and why this is so important to me. Uh, where I work, I work for Investors Group, and uh, for the last... You work for Investors Group? Investors Group. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> nothing special, nothing fancy. Um, in BC, British Columbia, the Alzheimer's Society of British Columbia, we have started sponsoring the Alzheimer's Walk for Memories. And uh, it's been going on in BC uh, for seven years. And last year, or actually this year, was my second year uh, participating in the walk as a volunteer. Um, the first year I did it through our Richmond office. I was just, I just worked the day of the event. Um, but this past January, I was actually on the committee. I was co-chair and uh, we did a lot of work in trying to raise money, raise awareness and to get the walk organized. Uh, I'm lucky enough again to be on the committee for our walk in May of 2016. And at that time, investors group all across Canada will be uh, sponsoring the walk. So we'll be in all of our provinces, all on the same day, May 1st, 2016, which is a Sunday. And being part of the committee, um, I was able to raise um, a loan for my walk, for the Burnaby Walk. I raised a loan for... for our city, uh, ten grand. Um, wow. So it yeah. was. It's a uh, so. Hold on, that deserves a, like a, a large applause. Yeah, ten grand by ten yourself. Grand by myself. And see, this is why she spurred the crew. Now she can help us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be one that toots my own horn, but oh, um, go ahead and toot. Oh, go ahead and toot. <laughs> Uh, so I, I did a lot of work um, leading up to the walk in January of, of this year. It was about six months of, of talking to companies and getting their sponsors, um, getting free prizes, getting food for the event. We got the, the venue, which would have cost us thousands of dollars, but I was able to negotiate it down to zero dollars. Um, my office and the Richmond office, we are part of the same region. Uh, so this past year, I was unable to help the Richmond office because I had my own walk to, to deal with. Um, but again, we're doing it this uh, May of, of 2016. So this is when I want to start plugging the walk. Um, last year, it was called uh, the Investors Group Walk for Memories. This year, they've changed it to the Investors Group Make Memories Matter. For the Burnaby, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Make nice Memories time. Matter. So it's, it's, it's a huge thing. Uh, so if you happen to be anywhere across Canada on that day, register um, to be part of the walk. Get pledges um, to to collect more money for, for the Alzheimer's Alzheimer Society of BC. Uh, our walk will be at the Burnaby Lake Pavilion, and that's uh, 6871 Robert Street. Uh, I found out that the Richmond Walk will be at the uh, Thompson Community Center. You know if there's one in the Fraser Valley room here? Yeah, the, my Abbotsford office will also have one. I don't know exactly where their walk is, but all of the... <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> we can edit that out. So sorry. Um I know all of the investors group offices in BC will have their, their own walks going from Prince George all the way down to Victoria. I just don't know exactly 
um, where they are. And that information starts coming to me throughout the months. Um, I'm using the word um a lot. Oh, okay. So, so last year, just to kind of give you number wise, what, what we what we did, um, last year was the first walk for or this year, I guess was the first walk for the Burnaby office. We raised $24,000. It's, it's not a lot. Um, but $24,000 towards the Alzheimer's society of BC is, is a big number. My other office, the Richmond office that this was their third walk and they only raised $29,000. So we had the $5,000 difference. This was our first walk. Um, so 10 grand of it was just you. That's right. Jeez. And prevention. She's awesome. She's awesome. (laughs) So provincially for the Alzheimer's society, all of the investors groups for the walks all across BC, we raised $613,000. Wow. Wow. So, a lot of money. If that was for one province, now you add the rest of the of, of Canada on there for the May 2016 walk. This is huge, huge, huge money for the societies. So that's why this is so so important to me. It is, and where where's that money well spent? Uh, the money will go to research. The money will go to the caregivers uh, to help with their medical costs. I mean, the back and forth of doctors' appointments. They're going to need special equipment in their homes, and not everybody can afford that. What they're going to need to to upkeep their home to help their the loved one who is suffering with Alzheimer's. So the money is well, well spent. Everything earned will go to the Alzheimer's Society of, of BC. Oh, great. Is it mostly to help uh, keep families at home or is it also, you know, mostly for, research? Yeah. Well, research and, and we don't know this one. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly yeah. how the money is split or, or where they decide to put the most of the funds towards. Yeah. Um, I just know that the feeling I get after doing an event like this. I am just elated that we've done something oh, yeah. good. Doing, you know, I mean, we're we're fortunate enough that we have a roof and 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 my family's healthy. And but there's those who don't have the time where they have nobody to speak for them, and that's why I had to do something. I mean, it's only a small portion, but yeah, it's a, it's to be a caregiver is incredibly stressful, it, and people don't really realize it's a twenty four hour seven day twenty four seven, and to see your loved one go downhill no matter what you do you can't prevent it it's just it's exhausting and so any organization that helps you know provide some aids for them and relieve some of that stress that's a that's an enormous thing helping people live a a a better life going Mm. downhill you were speaking you were talking about your grandma that your grandmother um that she hadn't been if had she had been caught earlier that kind of indicates that there's there's a way to slow down the progression of the disease already and part of the research is in fact definitely yeah oh yeah oh yeah um and they want to also i know provide better equipment for the hospitals um better doctors to to actually deal with the patients who have this but what is the current like the treatment now is there a treatment that actually slows the progression or they feel that is helping the progression because you say had your grandmother been diagnosed earlier I think the medications would have been different. She so would have there been. Is. There is, there is. But again, I on the medical side, I don't know that much. It's. I've heard. I've been reading about uh, here and there some articles about this. Um, apparently, a high protein diet helps because the brain, after all, is mostly protein and fat. So, I what think, the hell does that sound? I think when you when you find out earlier, I think even though it's devastating to to have a family member, you know, that's diagnosed. It gives you an opportunity to prepare. At least you understand what 
is happening and you can uh, make plans progressively either to say, well, when we need to, we'll get a caregiver in or we need to now start looking at our options. What nursing homes, you know, are available to us? What list do we need to put our, ourselves on so that, you know, as this gets worse, we don't have to suffer as much. We can find the, the kind of care that she needs. And I think that kind of preparation mm-hmm. it, it, you know if there isn't any medication just to be able to plan for the future oh, in, a, in a realistic way means means a lot it, it does really it does. does it does yeah. yeah awesome well that was it how was that connie not it too was bad good. it was good it was good yeah great yeah. thanks and congratulations for being part of such a worthy cause oh, thank you and making such a success of it that's fabulous yes, really, yes. part of yeah. the left of the valley crew and the alzheimer thing too oh right? yeah <laughs> I, i'm looking forward to the next walk and i'd like to plug it one more time oh, of course go, um, go ahead well no not right now i mean now i'll do it again um but also down the road closer to the walk where i start collecting uh, names for people who will actually attend the walk. Uh, the venue that we had last year could host, I think we, it could hold about 150 people. It's a big, huge open room, and we had the registration tables. Uh, we had Tim Hortons come in, and they sponsored all of our breakfast food. We had Save On Foods, which was awesome, come and sp- uh, sponsor the food after the walk. Our walk was actually two kilometers through the beautiful, around the lake, um, and people were walking all ages. We had Babies and strollers up to senior citizens. We actually had um, an honoree from the Alzheimer's Society. Uh, it was a husband and wife. The husband was suffering. And again, we'll have an honoree at um, our walk. Uh, I don't know who it is this year. Could be you, Kevin. Oh, <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, oh, we actually had the mayor of Burnaby, uh, Mayor Corrigan. He came out and he spoke to the group as well. And uh, they actually made that that day, uh, Sunday, it was Sunday, January 25th. They actually announced that or made that the Burnaby Alzheimer's Walk Day, if I can remember it correctly. We actually got a plaque and, and whatnot. Um, so come closer to May. You know, collect your good ones, your family, and come out to yeah. any of any of the walks. Well, it doesn't have to be, be my walk. You'll be back on the podcast, and you can remind us all. For oh, sure. definitely. For sure. And I think if you want to start even uh, submitting or or donating money now, I believe it's um, www.walkformemories.ca, or you could go just to the investors group webpage, uh, investorsgroup.com, and actually will take you to the link for Alzheimer's, and you can uh, make your donation there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Connie. Thank you. That was great. Well, that takes us to the end of our show. You guys can always follow us at leftofthevalley.com. You can follow us on Facebook. You can go on Blog Talk. If you sign up on Blog Talk, they will send you an email whenever we are the show. We are also now a Spreaker. Coming up, our next show, we're actually talking about the Vote Compass because we're in election mode and we're not afraid to talk about politics here. We also have Del Rey coming up with the myth of sex addiction. And eventually down the road, we'll also present the interview with that Sasquatch hunter. Guys, thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Until next time.
touch you.